Network, a podcast designed for women working in financial services and financial technology. I'm Cheryl Brown, Chief Engagement Officer at Females and Finance. I'm also an international speaker on social and digital marketing, too. On The F Word, you'll meet leaders in the community, as well as learn more about recruiting, training, advancing, and retaining quality female talent. Let's take a listen to today's episode. This is season one, episode 14, and today we're talking with Laura Shelton Garfield. Laura is the co-founder of Idea Decanter and spent her teenage years idolizing Jane Pauley and Katie Couric. A thirst for learning and a love of writing had her hooked on broadcast journalism where you didn't have to know everything except how to ask the right questions. And after graduation, Laura landed her first news gig at a tiny TV station in Hastings, Nebraska. Over the span of more than a decade, she worked her way up through stations in Omaha and New Orleans to a position at CBS News in New York and then CNN in Atlanta. Along the way, she's written a book, worked as a foreign correspondent, and has lately been drawn to the emerging possibilities of digital storytelling. And instead of a company relying on a big ad spend with the internet, you can be a broadcaster of your own brand. Laura believes that all you need to pull off is a talented content marketing team, like Idea Decanter, to help you craft your message. So I'm admittedly a little nervous to have her on the show today, given what I do as a background as well. And Laura, with all your broadcast journalism, um, looking forward to having this conversation. So welcome to the show. Thank you, Cheryl. I will not turn everything around and ask you questions. I will try to answer yours. Uh, that's one of the things I was worried about. <laughs> But I was, I was like, I can do it. I can do this. I can do this. So one of the things people always ask me is like, how do you know who's on the show? How did you meet? And so you and I have a common friend um, in the females and finance space, Melissa Joy of Pearl Planning in Michigan. And Melissa helped me with a financial uh, planning week tip. And when I saw the video that she was sharing on LinkedIn, I was like, who made that video? And she says, well, I need to introduce you to my friend, Laura. And that's how we got here today. <laughs> So yeah, Mel Melissa is an incredible connector and also a fantastic financial advisor who just launched her business um, in Dexter, Michigan this year. She's on her own, doing her own thing as a woman leading a business. It's just the kind of client we love to work with because, as you know, women in financial services is, are rare. It's, it is. And, you know, it's one of the, those things where we are growing not fast enough. I, I'm working on changing that, as you know. But, you know, it's one of those things where I'm really comfortable being the only woman in the room. It's a very common space, in fact, for me. So uh, to see Melissa not only just taking charge of opening her own firm and then a, a firm with, you know, new branding and then going out and seeking someone like you to create a really strong, beautiful piece of digital content warmed my heart as a social media strategist. So it's, you did great work. Well, thank you so much. And Melissa, we've got to give credit to Melissa because she really is a marketing visionary. She knows what she likes and she has a great mind for not just giving people financial advice, but for also really knowing what it takes to put a face on her business. And we actually helped launch Melissa's entire brand. We came up, helped her come up with her branding concept. We built her website, we did her videos, um, and we work with her on an ongoing basis. So it's, um, it's nice to work with someone who has that kind of vision and who knows how to use content. 
I love it. And, you know, I've never met her in person, but I hope in one of my treks to the Detroit area that we can make that happen. She and I have tried a couple times to connect. It just hasn't. But I feel like I know her because she is her brand. And you, and if you know her brand, it's Melissa, right? I mean, it's 100% who she is. So you did great work there. I love it. Thanks. I want to talk to you about your broadcast journalism background because I selfishly am excited to know how you became enamored in that space because uh, I know you're a writer and you were a producer and editor for CBS not that long ago, so that's still fairly new on the horizon, but I think a lot of times people hear broadcast journalism and go, ooh, you know, it's kind of not... you Popular know. these days, for sure. Well, <laughs> yes, I'm glad you said it, not me. But, but you know, it's also you think kind of stuffy. You think not as interesting, and yet here you are doing digital storytelling today and and brand crafting, et cetera. So, how did you know? How did that kind of come about for you, and and sort of parlay into what you do today? Well, the things that I love about reporting and about producing are especially in the news space, is that you get to learn something new every day. And um, we, I still get to do that at Idea Decanter. I, you know, when we're working with financial advisors, everyone's got a story to tell. Everyone's got something specific to teach. And for me, selfishly, I enjoy getting to work on those stories just because I get to learn something. And the benefit is that I am no financial guru. So when we work with clients, I have to make sure that they're telling us their story in a way that I understand or, you know, their clients aren't going to understand it either. Um, because it's easy to fall into that trap of talking over other people's heads. Um, so I guess back to your question, though, about what I really loved about broadcast journalism is, like you, I was always a writer. and writing is my passion, but finding a way to marry the visuals with the writing is sort of like a puzzle for me, I guess. And I have one of those puzzle minds. Um, if you found me on vacation in Florida, you, I might be sitting at a table next to a window with a beautiful view of the Gulf, actually putting together a puzzle. Like I love puzzles. So for me, putting together a video is like finding the right words, and then layering on the right graphics and the right B-roll in a way that engages the audience. Um, so I love that, like piecing things together piece of um, telling a story. You know, it's funny too. I think that you, you, you hit it right on the head. And I think that's what I like from the strategist perspective, right? Is so when I hear someone talk and they are talking about their target market and who they're looking for, I'm almost visualizing the words or how people would search or how people would look at that and, and asking questions. And I know you're no stranger to the asking questions. Uh, I actually warn people when I get on the phone with them, I say, I ask a lot of questions. <laughs> I feel like I have to, like, I have to wear that disclaimer. I feel like I should have that like t-shirt somewhere on me that says she will ask you a lot of questions. <laughs> You know, because you're constantly trying to figure out the pieces, right? You're trying to figure out how they're all connected to one another. And I know that you're no stranger to the females in finance area either. So your background in writing for CNN, especially the freelance time and content marketing specifically for financial services. How has, I mean, how did, nobody gets up and says, man, I'm going to do this for financial. I'm just telling you right now, (laughs) anybody listening to this call knows I at least hear weekly, why do you do this for financial service? <laughs> why yeah. do you go do cool stuff like beverages or, uh, you know, or retail stores. 
and it's just because I believe so for me, I believe so much in the products and I, and they need people like us, you know, I, I feel needed in this space, but I'm just curious what your background has, you know, done for you there, why you did that. Well, as a journalist, I hear that 16% statistic about the number of women in financial services and it sticks with me. Um, we work with a group called um, the Women's Leadership Alliance, which is mm -hmm. um, an, or a nonprofit organization of women who are trying to elevate um, and attract more women into the industry. And, you know, it's a struggle. And it's fascinating to me to work with them through the process of, you know, how, how do you talk to mid-career women who may want to change from, let's say, a, a, a career in law to become a financial advisor? Or how do you attract those women who are sitting right now in business school who have all the opportunities in front of them to go many different directions? How do you get them to consider a career in financial services? Um, so I think from a, from a reporting background, I'm fascinated that we are sitting in this position um, of inequity mm -hmm. in the United States right now. And it's fun for me to get to play a part in doing what we can to change that story. I really love that. I, you know, it's funny, you used, talked about equity. I recently wrote, and I actually talked about this at a couple conferences, and the idea of equity really gets lost on people because they hear the word equality. And equity is different, right? Because it's both bolstering everyone up to the same level so that from an equal perspective, everyone can have the same voice. And I, like you, hear those numbers and it drives me every single day to get up, to show up, to be, you know, active in the space because I want so desperately to bring gender neutralization to financial services. I tell people all the time, I'm 100% about our men. And thank you to all the men who listen to this, who help lift women up and bring the equity because we need our men to champion us, you know? Uh, so I, I am very bullish on that. And you talked about the WLA. I want to make sure that Raymond James gets a big shout out for that because I know, although it is a nonprofit and open, they had a lot to do with the WLA, uh, the Women's Leadership Alliance getting up and running and going. So props to Raymond James for that too. They do, and it is the successful financial advising women of Raymond James who have really built the organization and who are using their own voices and their own dollars to really try to make a difference. They really are, and I have I had the pleasure of speaking to several of the principals um, and on the board there uh, of individuals at the WLA, and I just, again, I, I, I have a mad respect for what they've done, and part of what they're doing, the females in finance of what I do is not in, it, no competition there in that space and we don't feel it between either of our organizations. Mine was a bigger wrapper around all of those types of, you know, not that it's siloed because they're not trying to be, but there tends to be a lot because it is a lot of Raymond James, you know, mm -hmm. uh, members that are in there doing that. So I like to make sure that they get their shout out because I'm really impressed with everything that they do. And they have a beautiful conference because I hear wonderful things uh, from the women who come back from those conferences and the meetings and stuff. So props to Raymond James. Mm -hmm. One of the questions I also wanted to ask you or talk about, because this is something that's really near and dear to me is about content specifically. I, am very honest and open with people when I tell them that I got my start in social media because of Gary Vaynerchuk. 
I spoke at a pretty decent sized uh, financial service event. My very first, FYI, very first speaking engagement I ever received was for a group of 750 people. It's not a shabby group to get a first speaking engagement. Uh, I wasn't really nervous. I'm not the nervous speaker type, but it was a little daunting to be in front of my peers and then tell them, you know, why am I out here to tell you what you should be doing about content marketing, right? And Gary Vaynerchuk was the opening keynote. And he gave me a really wonderful plug that day because that morning, what people don't know is about five o'clock in the morning, he tweeted out, <laughs> what does everybody want to hear at the conference? And it was a financial service conference. And I told him, and if anybody who knows Gary Vaynerchuk knows this, I said, I found that the only F word they like is finance. <laughs> I was just trying to be funny. And, but his point was when he got up on stage and he started talking, he stopped himself and he's like, where's Cheryl Brown? And I was all the way in the back of the room thinking, oh no, you never want Gary Vaynerchuk to call you out because you just know something not great is about to be said. <laughs> you just feel it, right? But instead what he said, he goes, while well, you yahoos were asleep, she was telling me I can't drop the F word, but it's in my contract. I can't drop the F word. <laughs> <laughs> but he goes, but she knows her audience. She knows who she's talking about, you know, which I did. And so I've always been grateful. But, you know, he's quoted as saying, as content is king and context is God. And people forget um, that now, I think more than ever, that great content is really predicated on context. And one of the things I do love, and I operate a lot of my strategy is this breakdown. And this is very overgeneralizing, minimizing what he said. But the first thing you have to do is respect the platforms that you have, you know, understand the psychology of what people are doing when they're on that platform. The second one is uh, for making good content, you need to take into account the context in which the content's going to be, con you know, consumed, that it's not going to interrupt the consumer. It's like one of the reasons why people are so pissed on Facebook right now that when they start to watch a video, and then there's that ad in between it, and especially if it's something that's really like emotional or whatever, they're like really getting sucked into it. And then there's an ad for like, I don't know, like Prell or <laughs> Colgate or something, you know, it's like, what? It's, it, it totally disrupts um, and interrupts the, the thought process or how the feeling of a consumer is. And I believe too that you know, he says that every single tweet, every comment you leave, every post you make, every image you share becomes your brand. And that's mm -hmm. period. And I, I operate on that system. Do you agree with all of this? I mean, or do you, um, you know, I've been using this as my operatus modi kind of thing for th at least the last three to four years strongly. But what are your thoughts about I mean, maybe what he has said there and shared? And I do agree. And, you know, Gary, I think, is a guru. And he was one of the first people I started following when I was learning about social media. And um, so I, I, I am kind of... Um, I'm a convert to Gary, yeah. <laughs> but you know, there's something like 300 hours of video uploaded to YouTube like every, every minute, every, every minute. minute. Yeah. So there is a massive amount of content out there. So if you're not thinking about strategy, about how you're going to use it, if you're not thinking about the context that Gary was talking about, then I mean, it's like that tree that fell in the woods. Like, yeah. you can make a video. Is anyone going to watch it if you put it up on YouTube, if you haven't thought about those things? Um, one tip that I think is important is really understanding the platform. Yeah. 
because video doesn't play the same way everywhere. Um, you know, a lot of financial advisors I know are stuck with um, using tools that place video onto platforms like Facebook without the autoplay function. Mm. Um, you know, forcing the viewers on Facebook to have to click over to somewhere else. And that just doesn't happen anymore. Um, Something like 80% of content posted online now is video. So if you can really optimize the way you're using it. um, So if there's an autoplay function on Twitter now, there is an autoplay function on YouTube. LinkedIn. LinkedIn. Yeah. Yeah. So what you need to do is make sure you're using that video file in the right way. Make sure that you're giving it to the audience in a way that doesn't make them do anything that they don't want to do. Um, make it as easy as possible and you're going to get the most mileage out of it. I'm, and I have to tell you, I'm particularly grateful for the video marketers, the you know, the creation solutions that you put in place where they actually have the words on the bottom for a variety of reasons. One, hearing impaired, right? Mm -hmm. So that when they can read it, they can follow along and be actively participating in whatever the message is. Two, for when you're at places where you don't want to hit play and you want to be able to watch it and read it and you want to do it in a quiet way, it allows that content to still be consumed, right? And I hear, trust me, and I'm sure you have to, you've heard the other side of it, which is they should be present in the moment and, and not be on video. Oh, hooey bluey. When I hear that, (laughs) that is such fooey, you know, because people are still going to do it. Right. I mean, let's just be honest. People are just going to watch the video. They're going to participate in it. Well, sometimes you can't help but watch it when you're scrolling through a social feed, like it's going to pop up. And if it catches your eye, you're going to stick to it. But something like 75% of video is consumed with the audio off. Off. So that's something to consider when you're putting a marketing video up anywhere. Um, A lot of the platforms have an option where you can just click a button and the captions will show up. It's always a great idea to go in if you can and edit because it doesn't always auto populate. You know, you can have some crazy word just like Siri with your phone. Um, So it's good to, to, go through the process of editing that. Um, you can also burn in captions. We call it custom captioning. And for a lot of our clients, what we do is create them so that they're really big and easy to read and match your branding. And um, it just makes the viewer experience better uh, because it's true. When I click on a social platform, I'm, I'm really not listening to it very often. Yeah, me neither. And you know, it's, and, and to your point, if you think about some of these organizations that are not English speaking, some of the best video experiences I have seen out there come from Korea or come from, uh, you know, Taiwan, you know, where they're not speaking English, they don't even speak during the entire thing. It's just music that plays and anybody can get the idea of what they're trying to, they're, they're showing, they're saying without words, Mm -hmm. saying, I'm using air quotes for those who can't see, um, saying simply because the video was made so beautifully that the Mm storyline, the background, the, the context of what it is, right? So mm-hmm. I think that that's great. And you know, I want you to talk more about your work in video because I've written 
so many articles about video. I believe that when video killed the radio star in 1979, they are still killing it today. It is uh, what makes us want to, you know, really interact. I, I feel like uh, the fact that LinkedIn has an ability to save uh, material, you know, articles, or uh, mm -hmm. you can do a Facebook save, especially for your video content to go back and watch it again when you can't in the moment and you just want to save it and come back to it. What makes great video today? Well, I think the key is getting personal. Um, what we have seen over and over with financial advisors is the more personal they get, the better chance they have to connect. Um, you know, video, if you think about the number of like senses you're using with video and the emotions that music can produce and the number, like how much the amount of information you can get by flashing images versus um, the written word, like it's just a, a very powerful experiential thing. And so if you can harness that and layer on getting personal and telling a story that will connect with people, um, you've got just a really powerful marketing tool. So for example, recently we were working on a bio video with a financial advisor in the Chicago area. And in his video, he talked about a few years ago when his daughter went through a major health crisis. And you think like, wow, like would that necessarily be part of like a standard bio you'd write for your website or, you know, something that you'd put on your resume? It, it wasn't, but it, that kind of story is something that you would sit across the desk and tell someone about when you really wanted them to get to know you. Um, another financial advisor had lost his father a couple of years ago to prostate cancer. And he talked about that experience and how it had changed how he looked at his, at the world and how he worked with clients because he had gone through, you know, the loss of a loved one. Um, so I think people can sometimes sort of clench up and think like, oh, I don't want to tell my personal story. This is business. And you think about like all of those personal questions financial advisors are asking their clients. I mean, they are really getting into the nitty gritty of not just like what you have in your different accounts, but like how you view money and how your, your relationships work about money. So, I mean, it's almost financial advisors are almost like therapists. And oh, so I yeah. think it's natural that they would think, Oh, well, I, I can't tell my own story, but really the, the kind of content that resonates with people is, is that when you do get personal and you do share your story. I think that's great. I, you know, one of the things that I particularly like uh, is raw video. Like when people do it in the moment when they're able to just, mm -hmm. I liked obviously the, 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 the planned content too, but you know, I'm always curious about why people like video so much. I mean, I actually will sit sometimes in airports and watch people consume video content or how they consume it from their devices. I'm, people think that I move around in the airport because I'm not comfortable. It's, that's actually not true. I'm actually watching people using their mobile devices, whether it's their phone or their laptops or their uh, iPads, tablets, whatever. And I'm kind of peering over to see how they do it because it helps me as a strategist understand the behavioral uh, metric, the context, you know, contents, uh, context of it. But 
one of the things that, so Alan Gannett is somebody I admire. He is a CEO of Track Maven, but I guess it's Skyward now because I think it just recently merged. But I think most people are going to remember him, Track Maven, and his Corgi Maven. And yeah, I have a Corgi, so he and I have that little bond. But I feel like he's the king of raw video content. And I saw that he was at Marketing Profs, and Ann Hanley is a friend of mine as well. And he's interviewing her, and he's got his hand out, you know, he's holding his phone. And this is, these are two CEOs of very large uh, digital advertising agencies, and I think it was hysterical. But you know, he's really mastered that. But you know, for a lot of times, we don't have the luxury of that due to compliance and regulation and financial services, right? We don't really have a lot of on-the-fly where we can do those. So, how do you make regulated content, I guess, fun or emotional or relatable without being stuffy, so that people will enjoy it just as much as they enjoy the voyeuristic part of the you know, the raw movement. Does that make sense? Yeah. I mean, I think you have to expand your definition of what it looks like to talk about your business. Um, we were working with this advisor in Omaha last month and he wanted a process video. So something that he could send out before a prospect came in for their first meeting that kind of like introduced them to his firm. And then another video that he could send out after that first meeting when their heads were sort of reeling and they couldn't keep everything straight and they'd heard a lot and he wanted to help solidify like what the next steps were and he wanted to do it with personality and so together we came up with this concept of hey Siri and there would be someone like using a phone like asking questions going through this whole thing like they were a client um and there was actually a surprise we built into the end because you never saw the person who was hey siriing the questions um and then at the end it's the president of the firm um <laughs> so i have to give props to centerpoint financial group in omaha because they really thought outside the box. And what happened was these videos just got edited, but what happened was they had these great personality pieces that people are going to remember, their clients are going to want to share, and their new prospects are really going to be like, these guys are a lot of fun. It's not just like buttoned up financial planning that's like, okay, here's the checklist of 10 things you have to do. Like they had a lot of personality. And it was funny because we got there to shoot the video. And some of his team had rebelled. They had said, this feels like it's not what we should be doing. This feels like it's too much fun for financial services. So I told him, I was like, let's go ahead. We're here. We've pre-produced the story. Let's go ahead and shoot it. And if we can't turn them around and sell it on the finished product, um, then we will find a different way to tell the story. And when they saw it, they were like, this is great. This is really going to set us apart. Um, so I think taking any kind of approach you can to setting yourself apart really helps. We had another client in um, the Detroit area and they wanted a, a similar kind of process video to let people know about what to expect and how to prep for their first meeting. And as we were brainstorming it, um, they were like, yeah, you know, kind of like that video that you have to watch before the airplane takes off. And I was like, oh, have you ever been on a Virgin flight? Because on the Virgin flights, you have yeah. to watch this like entire song and dance musical. It's a whole musical. <laughs> it's 
hilarious. Yeah. I was like, let's do that. And they were like, well, you know, nobody can sing here. <laughs> I was like, no, let's leave the musical part out, but let's turn it into like this airplane video, like getting ready for takeoff, getting ready for your first meeting. And so we did it. Um, and we shot it in their office and we set up rows of chairs and we like <laughs> had them all sitting down like they were prepping for takeoff. And um, it became this video that they are just starting to use. So I can't tell you how it's working yet. But um, when... But if they're excited about it, it's yeah. going to work. Because I'll yeah. be like have to watch this. Like <laughs> I do that from time to time and I'll be during the middle of the day and I'll get, find something I want to share. And I, I'll actually say on LinkedIn, I don't care what you're doing. You literally have to stop right now and spend two minutes watching this. And they will. That's because a power like, video. Cheryl's telling you, like, I'm just going to stop and watch it, you know? And then they're like, oh my gosh, that was great. Or, you know, and, and I think that's where compliance really needs to understand that for all the compliance officers out there, in this regulated space, we absolutely have to meet the consumers of this material where they're at. We right. cannot keep asking them to cross over and into the other yard to return the ball. Right. Does that make sense? I mean, like, well, yeah, I mean, using any of the live capabilities you have are, it's just a huge stumbling block for anyone in financial services. But I mean, even to be regulated. Your, but even to your creative part of it, Laura, for example, I mean, you could create this and then compliance could be like, whoa, 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 right? Even though you could submit your, uh, you know, what you're going to say and how it's going to be used and where it's going to be used. And I understand how all that part works because I speak compliance. I really find that there's still compliance officers out there that are like, mm, got to redo it. And it's like, really? Would you actually get up in the morning and consume this yourself? Would you? I mean, I, I asked him. I'm, I'm pretty bull. I mean, I really am. I'm kind of brazen that way. I'm like, did you get up this morning and do that? No. Well, I think, Cheryl, that compliance can be one of the biggest stumbling blocks for advisors adopting video. I think they think, like, this is just going to be too heavy, too hard. We're going to invest money, and then it's going to get ixnayed. It, yep. it's, it's never going to see the light of day. And um, I think what you need to know about getting video through compliance is that it's the same issues that you have when you're writing a blog or writing an article or making content for your website. There are just certain things you can't say. Oh, and there, there may be compliance officers who have trouble with things like um, making your dreams come true, although other compliance officers might say that's great. But as long as you're not making promises in video, your content will get approved. And as long as you're not showing images of bags of money, <laughs> then it's going to be Nobody's okay. guaranteeing anything. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and you're going to need a disclaimer at the end of your video. Just expect it. <laughs> I know. It's just but that part of it, I think they get, but I do run into a lot of people who are like, compliance is never going to prove this. And I'm like, that's not true. We just have to, we have to work with them. But at the same time, I do tell compliance officers when I meet them, I'm like, especially ones that they're like, oh my gosh, you're breathing. That's interactive content. We need to, you know, come on. You know, it's, it, there, so I see there's a, I get both sides of it. I get compliance aside. I get the financial service professional side of it and I get your side of it and I get my side of it as someone who tries to strategize and repurpose it out there. Right. Sure. And I'm telling you compliance, we're coming for you. 
<laughs> coming for you. But you know, I, I imagine never, them sitting in a dark room, <laughs> and every time a video comes across, I have got to tell you this because it's because it's only funny because it's true. I uh, was it three, four years ago. I chaired the Financial Technologies Forum meeting in Manhattan. Thank you, Maureen Lowe, for inviting me to come and and be the, the the mistress of the ceremony and introduce people. But I was having a moment there where I could not get. And most of it's compliance and regulators because that's what the um, that's what the the audience was built for. <laughs> I couldn't get them to sit in their chairs and not visit, so I just leaned in and said Snapchat. And they all, they all sat up and I said, now that I have your attention, let's go. And they all laughed at themselves because they realized just how, <laughs> but it's true. Maureen Lowe was, she was off ringing the NASDAQ bell, I think that day. So that's why I was chairing the event, but which good for her. But I, I still remember that day, Snapchat. So <laughs> attention, just put that as like the, just put that as the email header. Subject line, yeah. When you <laughs> They will be quick to review your stuff. Just put Snapchat. <laughs> so um, one of the other areas I'm really concerned about as a strategist is uh, women in general just not using social and digital marketing tools enough to amplify their thought leadership. I have often been quoted as saying that the only way that you can get what's in your mind through thought leadership is either through the written word or through your mouth. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's it. You either have to speak it in some way, so video digital, podcast, things like that, or you have to write it, blogging, books, articles, posts, whatever, right? You know, do you feel this way too? I mean, do you feel like women need to step up more to the plate? Because I do feel more often that I, I, I have, I will be that I own a consulting practice. I do have more male clients and female clients. I'm honest about that, trying to change that. But what do you think holds most women back from doing more content marketing, I guess? Well, in at the the Women's Leadership Alliance, the WLA, they talk about this quote: "You can't be what you can't see." Yeah, and I love that because it not just exemplifies that for the business and attracting women into it, but like you said, if we're not using the tools of social media, the tools of video marketing, we're not putting ourselves out there, we're not setting that example. And I don't like the idea that, you know, as a woman, it's your job to better represent all women. Um, but like, I do think we all need to take a little bit of ownership in it, realize that you know, if I do some video marketing, maybe it's not just going to elevate my business, maybe attract some new clients, but maybe it's going to help elevate the profile of women in the industry. I, I think that's a great way to look at it. I mean, it should be a motivator, right? Exactly. And that's how I use it. I mean, for, so the Melissa Joys of the world, right? Mm -hmm. When I see, when I saw that video, my very first reaction was, I got so excited because I was like, yes, yes, because it means that she's taken her business to that next level. And that's all I want for all the women is just go to the next level. And whatever the next level is, is individual to each person. It truly is. I believe and if you, if you talk to Melissa about why she does do video marketing, it's not to elevate women. It's not really even to elevate herself. She right. says it's because 
her clients who are in technology and healthcare are used to being communicated with right. through video, and she's just trying to meet them where they're at. Um, that's it. And that's what Gary Vaynerchuk gets his point. That's exactly what his point is. She's got it. She's figured it out. And it's not, it's so simple, but it doesn't mean it's easy, right? Mm -hmm. To get outside of ourselves. It's just meeting your client where they're at and how they want to consume. I have a great friend, Joe Calloway. He wrote, uh, he's written a bunch of books. My favorite book, and he knows I love this book, it's called Category of One. And it's consumers today professionally consuming services, information, et cetera, throughout the day. And they compare your financial service practice to their Starbucks trip to their, uh, you know, whether it's their Nordstrom run or what, it doesn't matter. It's all one experience in their day. You have to meet them where they're at and they're on their phones. They're on their phones. There's more phones in the world than there are toothbrushes. You were... <laughs> You were talking about um, using content, creating it in ways that, that people consume it and how you watch people at the airport. One thing we're hearing over and over, and I think this may be a future trend, is that today people don't even want to turn their phones horizontally to no. watch a video. Oh, they no. They <laughs> want to keep it vertically. Um, do, you know what I, my, my, do you know what I think is the reason for that? I'm going to be honest as a speaker. When you turn it this way, you're not doing what you're not doing work. Turning your phone horizontal knows it is a huge signal. I'm watching a video. I'm not doing my work. I, you, you, I'm lying. I'm dying. If it's upright, it's a mystery what I'm doing <laughs> on my phone. Am I right? It's your poker tell. Yeah, you know, like there's a new um, series on Netflix, I think, with Julia Roberts called Homecoming. And um, part of it is shot in present day, like 2018, and it's all mm. horizontal video. And part of it is shot like three years in the future. And that piece has black lines down both sides. It's vertical video. And I, I think it is really telling. I wouldn't be surprised we can revisit this podcast in a couple of years and see if I'm right. But I wouldn't be surprised if video is really going to become a vertical thing. Like we're going to start shooting yeah. in a different format and we're just not going to produce it as much horizontally. Yeah, I agree with that. So what's one piece of advice that you like to give to financial service professionals about, I don't know, content marketing or digital marketing strategies that they could take away from this podcast and use immediately? Like they could literally click off of their mobile device that is upright and not horizontal. Well, <laughs> and they can go I, and use it. <laughs> I am sitting here at the edge of Portland and the border of Beaverton, which is the home of I Nike well. World Headquarters. And to steal a line from Nike, just do it. I think that people are really hesitant to get into video marketing. Like it seems like such a big thing, yeah. but you know, it's not that scary. If you can do a blog, you can do video. It's just about getting your story out there. Um, and if you can take a video of your kids doing stuff, you can take a video of yourself doing stuff. Exactly. You can. And, and I would also say that you should be conscious of your brand. You know, a lot of people have spent time, invested money in building a brand. And so you need to be conscious. There are a lot of opportunities to DIY it. Um, and 
if you were going to ask me, should I DIY it or should I not do it at all? I would say DIY it. But think about the brand that you have built and how you want that reflected in the videos you're putting out. Yeah. Joe says in his book of category one, I think it's the first chapter. It says just go because you can perfect along the way. And I'd rather see somebody do something versus nothing, but I'd rather them do something really well versus something. Right. And so to that point, when people say to me that they can post their own social, they can do their own digital, they can do that. You can a hundred percent that you can, but as you get through this, staying true to your brand, holding it to a very high regard and ethic, et cetera, all of that, you really need to partner with professionals as you get to that next level. And that's where folks like definitely you, me, whoever come in creatives and say, okay, let's shoulder up and see what we can do to make that better. And what we do hear a lot is that, yes, you can do it. And yes, you can run your own social accounts. And yes, you can blog every week. But when you're also running a business and you're also working with your clients to give them good service, it is so easy to push that to the back burner. Mm -hmm. And that's one of the nice things about working with any, you know, video marketing company that knows what they're doing in financial services is that it can they can just do it for you and take it off your to-do list. Well, yeah. And almost every time when I hear a financial service professional say to me, oh, I've tried that and social, it didn't work. When I went back to my, I'm going to ask you a billion questions tattoo and say, you know, well, how are you doing? Then I find out they had their teenage daughter or son come in the office or they hired, they had an intern who only worked through the summer and they went back to school and then it fell off. You know, it's, it's almost always that story. So yeah, it didn't work because you didn't have a persistent and consistent plan of attack on how you were going to use that and using it in a way that going back to those three points that you knew with platforms that your clients were on, you were meeting them where they were at and using the mediums of how they want to consume information. Almost every time that comes down to the, the issue of it. So I, I think it's, very sound advice that you've given that people really need to consider what that means. If I'm going to do it, just do it well. I mean, do it, but really highly consider doing it well very quickly afterwards. Um, So I like to end our interviews on fun questions and it's a way for the listeners to get to know who you are. And I love to ask random questions. I have to answer them too. So you guys don't have to worry about being left out to dry by yourself. Uh, (laughs) So here's some questions. You ready? I'm ready, Cheryl. All right, here we go. Who, you're a creative, so I had to ask this. Who is your favorite cartoon character and why growing up? Um, you know, I think I have to say Garfield and that was more of an adult adoption because I married a guy whose last name was Garfield and I became a Garfield. <laughs> I, do you know, I wanted to ask you that question and then I thought, no. When I'm, when I'm putting my name in for a reservation at a restaurant, I always say Garfield. And they're like, like the cat? And I always say, or the president. <laughs> or the president. <laughs> oh my gosh, that's But good. I do love lasagna, so I have to say Garfield. So Garfield, there you go. How about you? When I was growing up, mine was Chili Willie the Penguin. I just liked him. He was like so underrated and wasn't getting his props, you know, and he'd come out there. And I just, my dad used to tease me. He'd be like, Cheryl, nobody likes him. And I'm like, I do though. 
I had to pull for Chili Willy. So um, how about this one? Again, a creative. Describe yourself in three words. Um, passionate. Um, creative storyteller. So I chose, you are all those things, by the way. Um, first one I chose, when it came to mind for me was silly. I'm the person who gets up in the morning and dances. I had music on and I'm always changing it up. And poor Daryl, he'll walk out and be like, we're listening to Duran Duran this morning. Okay. You know, <laughs> and then he'll come by and then we're listening to Bing Crosby today. <laughs> he's like, it's, never know what he's going to get. But the other one is I'm very spunky. So uh, as much of a planner and things like that, I'm the one who, um, let's do it. You know, like the energized, let's, you know, I'm like this. People think it's always the coffee because I do coffee posts every day. I'm going to be honest with you. I drink one cup of coffee every day. I used to drink like a pot of coffee. And the doctor <laughs> said, yeah, your EKG says let's narrow that down a little bit more. <laughs> I was like, okay. But I am really spunky and energetic, so I don't need too much coffee anymore these days. And this is almost at 50, so I think I'm doing all right. Uh, and tenderhearted. I get my feelings hurt. I do. I cared so much. It's because you, people who care – and I do. So when somebody says something, I'm all, and I'm the first person, Laura, I'll be honest. If I find out somebody doesn't like me, I go, oh, I want them to like me. I try it's, it's hard to be out there in social media and be vulnerable. Mm. Oh, I know. If you only, I just want to say this for the record. If everybody in this call only knew, if you see how many posts I do, I want you to multiply that probably like 200 that I delete because I think I want to respond <laughs> and then I can't, but I want to. So it's good that you're editing. I, 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 when I'm angry, I'm like, uh, 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 delete. <laughs> and then I make myself just go, mm. or when somebody hurts my feelings, I go, oh, oh, oh delete. <laughs> so I'm just as human as anybody else out there. Um, how about this? Where is the worst place you think you could get stuck? I know mine. Probably Antarctica because I'm always cold. <laughs> the best place would be a beach where I could be warm. Okay, true that. Uh, I'm going to just say, I got to say sorry, Chicago, but O'Hare Airport. <laughs> I hate O'Hare Airport. I do. I, the only thing you got going is Garrett's popcorn. I'm keeping it real. I, I could sit there and just eat mountains of Garrett's popcorn. But I don't know how many times I have been stuck in O'Hare Airport. And it's only six hours from Missouri, from St. Louis, where I live. And it's like, there are moments when I have gotten to the airport, and I'm like, I could just drive it home. If work. you think O'Hare is bad, you should go to Kansas City's airport. Oh, I've been there. <laughs> Do you know the funny thing about that airport is I did a post about this on social media. Did you, you know how in Kansas City that the airport is kind of round, right? And so that the, mm -hmm. the, the three the, loops. Mm -hmm. <laughs> the <C> ABNC. <laughs> this, so like there's a gate for anybody on this call that lives in Kansas City. I'm sorry. They did not give you proper amount of seats for a gate <laughs> because it's like you have 200 people on a flight and then there's legit like 40 seats. Yeah. <laughs> what are you going to do? With They're all sitting across the floor. We're slumming you, it on the ground. You have to go through security and then there's nothing to eat. There's nothing to eat. <laughs> You're lucky okay. if you can find a bathroom. It's, uh, I mean, standing up is the least right. of your worries. 
<laughs> I'm from Kansas City. I, I'm through that airport enough to know how bad it is. Well, oh, it's a sister city They're for us. They're supposed to be so building can... a new one. Yeah. Well, I just remember, I think I did a, uh, a post on Instagram. When I took a picture of all the seats. I'm like, the people who put this airport together, do they understand math? Like how many people were going to be waiting for a flight? Because everybody was sitting on the floor. And I went from, I did a video flight. I went from gate to gate and everybody's sitting on the floor. I was like, uh-uh. didn't care for that. <laughs> so I'm curious, how do listeners get in touch with you? So, you know, what's the best way to maybe contact you and find your resources? Well, ideadecanter.com, D-E-C-A-N-T-E-R.com is our website. And if you go to our wealth videos tab, um, there is a spot down toward the bottom of that page where you can give us your email and you'll, you can download a PDF of how to use video in your practice free PDF. And um, there's also a spot on our website that you can sign up for our newsletter that I send out kind of infrequently, but I like to give people examples of stuff that's going on in the video marketing world of financial services um, and some tips and tricks about how to use video. So you're, I have to say this too, so you're in the Portland. So have you ever hiked Mount Tabor? I have not yet gone up Mount Tabor and I know we've talked about this before and um, I need to put it on my list for one of these days when it's not raining. Oh, that's port. Wait. <laughs> okay, so you're talking- I'll, do, I'll do it in July, Cheryl. I was going to say, so that's like eight months from now. <laughs> if I do the math right on that. I know Sherry Fitz always posts all of her, her posts or Instagram posts about being on Mount Tabor. And so when I went to Portland a few years ago, I said, I am hiking this and I did it. And it is no easy task, but it is beautiful. So you do live in beautiful country. So yes, I was really delighted. I just really am thrilled. We've become friends for this journey and I just think the world of your work and if you as a person, I appreciate you spending time today chatting with me and allowing the listeners to learn more about you. And of course, Idea to Cantor. Thank you so much for being here today. Well, thank you. And thank you for all the work you do to help elevate the profile of women in the industry. I think what your, um, your, your mission is amazing. I appreciate that. Well, thank you for listening to today's episode of The F Word. You can learn more about today's guests and the topics we covered in our show notes. And if you love today's podcast because you know that you did, please be sure to subscribe and don't keep it a secret. Share it. Make sure you tag hashtag females and finance at your post so we can engage with you as well. Remember the F word. It's where females and finance are not dirty words. Thank you so much for being here.